Today on the Agents Who Crush It Real Estate Podcast, we're going to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly of how real estate agents overcame challenges and grew their business. Check out the episode notes at crushitinre.com slash podcast. And here's your host, Lindsay Favaza. Welcome back to the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Lindsay Favaza, and I am sitting in front of, which I love that, when I don't have to do these over Zoom and I can actually sit across from Diane Mayo. She is a realtor out of our Beverly office here in Massachusetts. She's been with us for a few years now. You've been here, what, four years? Five Five years? Five and a half. So time flies, my friend. It has been seven years for me, and I feel like you've, I mean... You've pretty much been here the whole time I've been here. So, um, so yeah, so it's been awesome having you here. And I know that you have been in the business now since 2008, correct? You've been licensed for longer, though. So take us back to when you first got licensed. Why did you get licensed? What was the whole process there? <laughs> um, well, I was working at um, a small company, and they sold out to DeWolf. And in the process, they sold me out to be the admin. Mm-hmm. And then we... Had a little admin grouping when DeWolf bought us, and they put a bunch of the admins out on a barge restaurant in Salem Harbor. And I spent most of the time looking over the side saying, should I swim back or should I leave? (laughs) So they kept telling me I'd be really good in his agent. So I got my license. And, you know, it's from there I started doing. uh, So DeWolf was. Is that a. Was that. DeWolf was a long time ago. Yeah. Dwolf, that would have been 94, I think, that was happening. Okay, got it. Um, so I got my license in 97. Yep. And then, um, what did I do after that? I did 97, and I guess I was jumping from mom and pop stuff and not getting anywhere and no yeah. training, no nothing, and, you know, flying by the seat of my pants. And yeah. it wasn't really working. Yeah. So I spoke to somebody that apparently, unbeknownst to me at the time, I thought I was talking to somebody that was working at Chris Law, and we were having lunch. Yeah. And Anthony Lamacchia's name kept coming up over and over and over again, and it finally hit me, and I went, excuse me, wait, who is this guy? Did you change companies, and is this a recruiting? Oh, yeah, I didn't tell you. Oh. oh so that's how we ended up with Anthony, because I wouldn't have found him in Waltham. No, definitely being in not, yeah. And we didn't have an office here in Beverly yet. No, so I wouldn't have gone looking down there. But I had repeatedly said to this girl, why can't a broker figure it out and have a corporate setup but have the independent contractors and still be one giant team? Mm -hmm. Why is this so hard to comprehend? It doesn't have to be broker. Load up all the numbers and see what happens. Yeah. No, use your imagination. This could really run like a machine. Yeah. So obviously, Anthony has figured it out. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so for she sure. said, come with me. I think I know where this magic place is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're traveling over a rainbow right I now. know. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about that transition for you. And obviously, change <laughs> is something that you kind of got used to because you were changing over and over because you kept looking for something that you couldn't find. But, right. um, but tell me about how that kind of transition was for you. And the other thing is that you were traveling down there to do training and stuff like that, um, and you didn't have a local office. So I know that that was a challenge in the beginning, but talk about all those things. Okay. So what happened was we went down mm-hmm. to the Lamaki headquarters in Waltham, and um, Anthony and when, came in. When you say we, I just want to make oh, sure that we. I clarify. So oh. um, 
Diane has her daughter who is also on her team. The two of them really are partnered up and they're kind of, you know, helping each other to navigate through the business. So um, Jess, big shout out to Jess. She was on staff for a little bit, but she's back as an agent and she's doing a great job. So so we, we went down to Lamakia and as we were sitting there hearing about all the things that there were, Anthony came flying in and he said, okay, so we're, have you signed up? And I said, uh, what? And right here, right here, sign up. This is what you're going to do. This is how it's going to go. And then he left. <laughs> so I guess we were now Lamakia. <laughs> that's how it went. Yeah, that's how it went down. So we left kind of like coming out of a revolving door going, what just happened? Okay, let's run with this. Because I was hearing really good things. There yep. was training, which I had had absolutely none of. I was figuring out everything on my own. And... Um, we started going to the Waltham. We, we took the class. I asked Anthony, in fact, I said, can I go to that class that you have for like beginning agents? And he looked at me and he went, well, yeah, go but ahead. You've been in but, the business for a little while. Yeah, so uh, yeah, sure. That, that'd be great. And I said, well, you know, I want to know what you do. Maybe you do something different or maybe somebody's going to say just that one thing that's going to pivot everything. So he kind of thought I had three heads, but I went and we went for the training Mm -hmm. the basic training, and then we would go down to Waltham from, we live in Ipswich, drive down, and we were going at that point, Monday and Tuesday, and then going down Wednesday for the regular training. So we were going three days a week for a while. And then um, we just, we kept, Waltham was our office because there wasn't anything. Yeah. So we just kept going to Waltham, and then Woburn opened up. And then it was kind of like, okay, well, that's a little closer. So we went to Woburn, and things started to shift as far as how many agents were coming into the company. So we went to Woburn. And then after a while, Beverly appeared. But going down to Waltham, like, it didn't phase us because we were going down to be educated. We were going down to talk to the other agents. We were part of something. So just for those of you that don't live in Massachusetts, because we have a big national following. So um, Ipswich is what Anthony likes to call horse country, um, <laughs> which is what? About 45 minutes or so from Waltham. Yeah. On, without on traffic. On a good day. Without traffic. Um, so I live in the same area as you. I live up in that northeast area of Massachusetts. And, um, you know, I always say, I always go to Waltham, too. I've always gone to Waltham. That's been my headquarters. Um, I get the ability now to come to Beverly every once in a while, but I usually go to Waltham as well. And my whole thing is, and it's very similar to what you're saying, I would rather travel to a place that I know I'm getting value from than work right next door to a place that stinks. And unfortunately, I've had that experience that I wasn't growing. I was in a place that I was kind of stuck and it was right next to my house. But what do I want to do that for if, you know, I'd rather drive. Well, <laughs> I'd rather it, have the commute. It's not that big a deal. Yeah, it is it, not a no, big deal. No, you kind of can do it with your eyes closed after a while. Yeah. And then we started playing games anyway because I can get from Waltham to Ipswich without touching the highway. Yeah. You know, exactly. you, just, you find a way. You figure it out. And then on top of that, your clients don't need you to have an office. No. Right where their house is. No. They don't care. They no. don't even come to the office. No, that's gone. They barely do anything, and the homes are sold online. So it's, we definitely hear a lot that agents will say, we don't have an office in my town. Well, if we had an office in every town, we wouldn't be able to operate the business. <laughs> well, my answer to that is always, well, you know, when the, when the Xerox salesman came to sell you a copier, if they had a Xerox office in every single town they ever sold a copier in, 
No. They wouldn't it's the same need thing. It's sales. <laughs> it's exactly. sales. It's sales, yeah. So you can travel anywhere. Um, so yeah, so you did some of the basic training. I mean, the other reason you did the basic training is because Jess was kind of getting into the business. So for her, she was going to need it anyway. Uh, but then it was a good refresher for you. Mm-hmm. And take me back even further now, because we're talking about the fact that you have always been big into training. You were a coach for a long time. I know you and I, you and I have had these conversations about kind of that coach mentality, but the way that you kind of came into Lamakia, I remember being very, you know, hungry to learn and hungry to get coaching. You know, the coach was getting coached. Well, the coach needs to get coached because you can coach other people, but I cannot coach myself and I'm well aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. So you needed someone to kind of guide you, tell you what you wanted, you know, what you needed to do next. And what did you focus on in the beginning? Like, I know it's a lot. I know we have a lot of training, so it's like a fire hose, we always say. Um, But what did you kind of focus on that you kind of, you know, slowly but surely kind of changed habits or tell me about how that kind of morphed for you? Well, just all the fundamentals, because without the fundamentals, I really don't know how to play the game. (laughs) So just the basic stuff to understand every aspect of it and put it all together and then build off of that. But if I don't have that base, that's why I was going no place fast. Yeah. So So, um, you've always, I feel like you've worked more with sellers. Is that accurate? You slightly tend to work more with sellers. Or do you think that it's been more of a split over the last few years? It's probably been a split. Yeah. You know, I had a lot of buyers. Well, I well I get buyers because um, I work by referral. So I have mm. other clients will refer friends, and so uh, they if they're buying or selling, generally they're buying. Yeah, and they need somebody. So yeah. I kind of do both. I don't turn anything down. And again, going back to you getting coaching and things like that, you've done the Buffini. Yeah, I know you're a big advocate of Buffini. So tell me what some of those things are with the Buffini training that you continue to do to today that you haven't that you will not take out of your practice. No. And the one thing like, uh, you know, this year coming up, do not cut back. Do not come back on this stuff. So what I do is I have a coach at Buffini that I talk to twice a month. We do things like, you know, we've set up budgets. I've got a profit and loss. Um, You know, we have a whole marketing calendar for the year set up about what I was going to do. And so every month... um, we set out what they call an item of value. So it's a informational thing and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be real estate. It's, you know, what do you do in a hurricane? What are the, what happens when there's a fire or something like that, or look out for your credit and something like that. And then on the 15th of the month, uh, an email goes out that's a complimentary piece to the one they get on the first. And then I have the Lamakia newsletter that goes out at the end of the month. Yep. So I've now tagged the people three times. And I haven't really had to do much to do that, but it's automatic. Yeah. And it happens. So you have to stay in front because I know the minute I leave, somebody's going to walk in front when the time comes and, you know, I won't be the guy I'm standing in front of them. Yeah. So those are the three times a month. That's great because they're not going to forget about you. No. I know I still get your letters. I get your letters every month and I love opening your letters. And I think no matter if someone's in the market at that moment or not, I think even if they are, you know, if they're a homeowner already, um, then it's just relevant information for them regardless. It's educational. Right. Right. So it's, you know, staying top of mind because if I'm not there, like I said, somebody else is going to arrive at just the right time and I will have missed it. Mm -hmm. 
So on top of that, I'll write notes or I'll call people or I'll stop by with like a little gift and just check in with them and say, hi, I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's part of it. But you just keep doing it and keep doing it and doing it. And I know I try to talk to some of the agents in our office and try to explain that this working by referral, that's what you want to do. Company leads and all that are great, but they're extra. Yeah. You know, uh trying to get people uh, the referrals for, you know, relocation. That's great. It's extra. Yep. But the basis, just like the basic training, the basis to your business should be working by referral. Yeah. And you've got to keep doing it and doing it. And I heard one agent say to me, well, I did it last month and got nothing out of it. So like, what else can I do? And I'm like, no, no, Flappable. this is not how this goes. Yeah, It's going to take a good couple of years till it kicks in. And then all of a sudden that rock that you've been pushing uphill goes over the top and here it comes. Yeah, we hear that all the time when we have agents that are doing marketing services and getting on postcards specifically. And I get it. It's an expense every month, mm-hmm. but you have to make money. You have to spend money to make money. So if you put out those postcards two, three, four, five, six months in a row, then maybe now you get a call. <laughs> That's the way it goes. But that call will now pay for six months worth of postcards if it turns into, you know what I mean? Right. So well, you got to look at it as a marketing spend. You got to have a marketing budget. But you have to have a big picture outlook too. Mm-hmm. You got to play the long game, as I call it. Yep. You, you know, the short game when you have these brokers that call me and say, oh yeah, we're going to give you $40,000 if you come for five. No, that's the short. They, they have nothing. If they're offering money or things or there's nothing there. Yep. So you got you to play the long game and just keep going at it and doing the same things that you're always doing because mm-hmm. otherwise it's just not, it's not going to happen. And to pivot really quickly, so you live in a town that is also, you know, there's a few agents within the town and it's a small, smaller town. So it's a little bit more difficult to get that market share. So explain to our audience too, you know, when someone lives in a town like that, that seems very exclusive, that they're only going to work with certain people or whatever the case is, then, you know, how do you kind of break into that? Or do you do the best you can, but then make sure you're spreading yourself out to other markets or how is it that you've done that? What I do? Well, I got, I got into the Lions Club and ran their biggest event of the year their chowder fest where people came from all over not just massachusetts but different places um and so we you know we ran a I ran a giant party is what it was yeah. but you know i got a lamakia tent up there and at the time lamakia you know was known up here more for short sales stuff than it yeah. was a realty company so you know we kind of got the visibility going that way but like you said yeah it's small town People only want to use who they want to use. So you're out there, you're visible. People see me. People saw me because I was a high school coach in town. Mm-hmm. So they know who I am, but I've branched out to other other towns. Like I want to make sure that we're sitting in Beverly. I want Beverly to understand we're here and, and touching the Beverly clientele. So I belong to the um, Beverly Athletic Club. Whereupon my personal trainer has given me two fabulous referrals. Absolutely. Um, and that's my own business. Yep. So that's at my split. Yep. It's trainers, hairdressers. Bartenders. Bartenders. They're fantastic. They're great referral sources for agents. So if you guys have some friends that are trainers, bartenders, or hairstylists, then definitely get in good with them. Be dropping gifts off to their place because they are definitely people. They talk to everybody and they know everybody's like personal business. They're like therapists. 
<laughs> right. Well, and my personal trainer is the best because he ca- he has all the information. Yeah. Whenever you say, uh, you know, oh, I've got a friend and oh, they're going to call you. No, that never happens. No. Make sure that when you get a referral and explain to them, yeah. look, I need their name and number and, make sh- and ask them if it's okay for me to call because it's easier for me to call because it's not so scary that way. They're not apt to call somebody they don't know. No, absolutely. So that's how that works. But that's why I wanted to ask you that question, because I know that, um, you know, once we opened here in Beverly, you became very active within this community. And that's the thing. I think a lot of agents think it has to be my town. It's only my town. Well, yeah, you can farm your street that you live on. That's smart. You should do that because those neighbors know you. They see you walking the dog. They see you at the park. Right. Right. But then if there's other communities that you want to get involved in, get involved in Lions Club, get involved in some networking group, get involved at the local gym, become friends with people within your community. And I think that that's something that you've done really well. Well, and, you know, we have to think of it as this is Essex County. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people say, well, what, you, you know, I finally have said to people, because they always used to say, where's your office? And, I, and when we didn't have one, I would just say, well, my territory yeah. is, and I'd give them, you, you know, what the area was. Because it's like, again, the Xerox salesman, yeah. those guys drive all over. Any kind of salesman drives. So yeah. why are you holding me to this brick and mortar place? Yeah. Because quite frankly, if I'm in the office, I'm not working. Yeah. <laughs> we'll tell Anthony that you said that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm just cut that part out. Yeah. <laughs> so um, talk to me about the office and the office culture and things like that, because you, you have, you're always in the office. You're one of the most, the people I see here in the most. So tell me about, about that and why that's important for you. Now that you do have this office space, why do you come so often? Why do you make this your home for doing stuff? Because... I want other agents to hear that. I think a lot of people, especially after COVID, have been hibernating, and I don't think it's a good idea. No, I think you've got to get in here and you've got to hear what's going on. There's there's two reasons why we're in here. Is you know I'm in here because there's we're we're taking on newer agents, mm-hmm. and it's kind of scary if you're supposed to figure out what you're supposed to do with it. And right now we have so much information that it's. Don't worry about taking it all in. Pick and choose a couple of things to get going. And I think when you have older agents here um, explaining, you don't have to know everything. Mm -hmm. You know, pick something you're comfortable with. And I think I see some of these younger agents come in and they get a little glazed over during like Wednesday trainings. And I'm like, okay, hang on, hang on. Take a breath. You don't have to do it all. But to be here and sitting here, and they and they come in and they ask questions, yeah. and they say, "Well, this is what's happening." But the best part is being in here is for everybody to hear what everybody else is doing, mm-hmm. and like you know, deals are crazy. Yeah, and you know, gee, I've got this, and I don't know what to do with it. What did you do? Hey, I've got a price on this, but somebody's questioning me. What do you got? You know, can you do it? Can you run the numbers? See what you're coming up with. Yeah, and you just bang everything off of each other. Yes, are we all independent contractors? But this office is not a competition yeah. within the office. Yeah, I know some of them are. Um, I've had it happen to me. Yeah, you know, yeah. I've I had a broker's wife go right to my client direct when she found out I'd put in an offer in on something. So, you know, I'm well aware of that. But here, that's just not what's happening. And so it's much more, what am I going to say, not subdued, but it's it's much more laid back. And it's like, what can I help you with? Yeah, I'm not going to go run. If you tell me the address, I'm not going to go run and go scoop the client. That's old school. No, I might try to find you a buyer. Right, (laughs) right. So, I mean, that's old school, but that's the way it used to be. But these young kids don't know that. No. 
So, I mean, if you can help them, it only makes us all better. Yeah. And again, it, we're not a team. Everyone's independent contractors, like you said. But at the same time, you can still use that kind of team mentality and learn from each other, grow with each other. And everyone's here having success within the Beverly market makes everyone better. Too. Right. Like, you know, we just announced the other day that Worcester was number one in Worcester County, like crazy, because that office has only been around for a few years now. Um, but that's helps all of them in that office. That helps everyone that works out of Worcester County, right? So it's right. like, that's the thing. Every, you know, all tides raise all ships. What is the, what's the phrase? I don't I know. I don't know. You're from Gloucester. We live in the ocean. <laughs> we should know these things. Um, okay, so tell me a little bit more about how you've kind of stayed consistent over the last few years. So I know, you know, once you started, you've pretty much been consistent as far as your number of sales, but you have had an increase in one particular part. So why don't you tell our audience a little bit about that? Oh, um, she's looking at me like, what are you talking about? We just talked about this, Diane. <laughs> um, so what happened was, well, it kind of, how do I explain this? The volume. So I have, as, as Lindsay mentioned, I'm a coach or mm-hmm. was a coach. Mm-hmm. And I do know that I need somebody to coach me because I need somebody to lean on me because I don't see everything. It's too close. Yeah. Um, so she opens it up. And so we have target targeted things like you do these things. This is how many people you have to contact every month. And yep. this is what's going to happen. And then I have bumped up my purchase price. Yep. That's a goal to drive the purchase price up, yep. um, which I have done consistently now over the years to get get it higher than what we started at. Um, but there's other things um, like... <laughs> I was doing that when we had um, an Offer Now program. Yep. And they were calling me and asking me to go out to sellers and explain this program. Well, I I don't think I ever got out of the car. I had like 19, 24 sales, I think, or 26 sales that year, and I was all over the map. Yeah. Um, but a lot of that was company stuff. And I so I took, the, took a look at the numbers. They came in at the end of the year, and I went, oh, hmm, this is for the office. This is for me. Those yeah. numbers need to shift. Yes. So that's basically what the office wants you to do too. They don't want they you don't hanging. want you on those biz- no. that business. They want you to grow. So just to really explain this a little further, just so everyone knows what we're talking about. So you know, you have your company leads that they get a company split, right? That's right. how pretty much all offices do that. And then you've got agent leads that you bring in that are your own business, your own book of business that you get the higher split on, obviously. So what ends up happening is a lot of the times agents come in, they use those company leads to help them get what we like to call at bats, right? We keep using the sports metaphor. People are going to be like, what the heck? Um, but <laughs> using the sports metaphor, they get at bats and it gives them the ability to grow their book of business, you know, grow their referrals and things like that. And once those people are past clients, then it's a agent split after that, any sale after that. So, you know, it definitely is helpful for newer agents to be able to take advantage of some of those lead products that we offer and then to grow their business based on that. But the goal is to have them grow and not be on those anymore. We want them to be doing things on their agent split. We want them to kind of move up and kind of graduate into doing things on their own. Um, And then it makes room for leads for the people that come in, you know, brand new to the business after that. And it's just a cycle. So you're absolutely right. And I think it, I remember having this conversation with you where you're like, I don't like these numbers. It's too much company versus, you know, agent. And I want to definitely improve. And so over the last couple of years, you've done that. Right. And that's with having a plan. 
Yeah. That's not just by, you know, coming in and going to training and going home and going, now what am I going to do? There is a plan in place about how many people I talk to, how many people I have to call, how many Numbers notes game. are right. So, I mean, but it's it's being consistent. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not, not the best at being consistent. That is a, a goal this year. Yeah. And tracking everything that you do, write it down. Who did you talk to? Um, you know, I have a system for that so that I know that, oh, gee, I'm not going to call them again. I just called them last week. Yeah. Um, but I have that all in a system. Mm-hmm. But if you have the systems in place and you just follow it, it's not brain surgery. No. It's easy, but you have to set it up. And it's a numbers game. So you got to yeah. just put the work in because you're going to have to make maybe 100 phone calls in order to get that one yes or that one I'd love to chat or I'm actually thinking of buying or thinking of selling. And it takes a little while. So you got to put the work in. Like you said, you got to have the systems, but you got to put the work in. Right. So and it's been great that you and uh, Jess have been able to do that together a little bit, too, I'm sure, um, and kind of use her to help you. I know I love your Instagram presence and your social media presence because I know she does more of that. But you guys always talk about how you have like the older generation and the younger generation and you're all melded in together. Well, you have to. Yeah. Because that's the brand. I'm the old guy. And yes, you can teach an old dog new tricks, but you can only go so far. Okay. Then you've got these kids that are constantly on Instagram and uh, you know, I, so I can't keep up it. with that. Yeah. So, yes, she's got the younger version. I've got the older version. We can meet in the middle. We can do whatever you want us to be. Yeah. Yeah. It works great for you, too. So I love it. So um, that is pretty much it at this point. Is there anything else that you would like to tell our audience or any advice, I think, that you would like to give them in, you know, staying consistent, but also weathering the storm? Because obviously the market is starting to shift. It's already shifted and we're seeing that change. But, you know, Anthony's talking about how in the next couple of weeks it's going to turn back on. So it's like, how do you what kind of advice do you give to agents who haven't seen some of these major shifts in the market um, since you've been in the business now for so many years? Well, what I'm doing and what I think they should be doing is getting all the education you can right now. Go over and over and over your listing presentation, your phone call conversations, your dialogues. Get it all down pat because the ones that can do that are going to come out of the gate better because there are so many that have don't even know what those things are that I just mentioned. And if you have that in place, but you need to look at it over and over and over again. Um, and you don't stop. I mean, after, you know, if we hit a patch where everybody's going to be super busy, and then all of a sudden you're down, well, you still got to do it again because it's got to come around. There is a cycle to sales. Okay. So you've got to follow the cycle. You've got to know your stuff. And then you've got to have a plan. And as far as like trying to make it money-wise around the corner like that, part of the plan is, you know, you, you pay the taxes out of your commission and you also have like three months in reserve. So when we hit something like this, you're not absolutely dire to say, okay, fine, I'll do it for 1% because I have to have the job. Yeah. No, you don't want to do that. And on top of that, like you said, you want to not let up on some of these marketing things and they cost money. So, right. You know, every deal, do you peel money off every time you get a sale and say, okay, this is for this and this is for that? Or do you kind of generally do that and not do it like to the T? Or how do you how do you budget for yourself? Well, I have a budget of how much I'm spending for marketing. And yes, out of every deal, I take taxes off the top. Mm-hmm. Then, the, um, then the split goes down to, um, I put 10% in yep. for holding on to the business and then pay myself. Yep. But um, 
Yeah, I know. I take it out of every deal because it's got to keep going. Yeah. And you don't want to have to think about it. You don't want to have to pay all those taxes back at the end. So no, no. that makes a lot of sense. I think that's really smart. I don't think a lot of agents do that, especially newbies. They get that first check and it's like, this is mine. Right. It's I work a lot so of hard money for and, oh it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And you no, got to invest it back. Them? Yeah. Who tells no, them? No one. Right. I mean, we are. But yeah. Yeah. They're success I mean, guides. <laughs> But, uh, you know, do you plan for that? Do you know what that is? Yeah, I've seen some of them come in here going, oh, my God. I'm like, okay, hang on. Did you do this? Did you do this? Oh, yeah, you're down. I know. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, but you'll thank me in December. That's where the coaching comes in, the coaching side of you. So that's fantastic. Well, Diane, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure as always, and I really appreciate it. And I will link um, Diane and Jess's socials and their website and all those things. So if you want to get in touch with them, ask them any questions. Diane's always an open book. She's a great coach. So if you need any advice, she's here for you. So thank you so much, Diane. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Lindsay. All right. We will see you guys on the next episode of The Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate. Bye-bye. We hope you learned something today. Be sure to take action and grow your business. You can check out the episode notes and more content from the show at crushitandre.com slash podcast. And if you like this episode and want to hear more stories, please share with others, post on social media, and leave a review. Check out our other content on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Crush It in Real Estate. We appreciate you listening to our podcast. Now get out there and crush it in real estate.